0: Chapter 12 of The Double Life of Mr. Alfred Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Double Life of Mr. Alfred Burton by E. Phillips Oppenheim. Chapter 12 A Bolt from the Blue. Burton's life moved for a time among the easy places the sub-editor of the piccadilly gazette to which he still contributed voluntarily increased his scale of pay and was insatiable in his demand for copy burton moved into pleasant rooms at a sunny corner of an old-fashioned square he sent ellen three pounds a week all she would accept and save for a dull pain at his heart which seldom left him he found much pleasure in life then came the first little break in the clear sky mr waddington came in to see him one day and mr waddington was looking distinctly worried he was neatly and tastefully dressed and his demeanor had lost all its old offensiveness his manner too was immensely improved his tone was almost gentle nevertheless there was a perplexed frown upon his forehead and an anxious look in his eyes business all right i hope burton asked him after he had welcomed his late employer installed him in an easy chair and pushed a box of cigarettes towards him it is better than all right mr waddington replied it is wonderful we have never had such crowds at the sales and i have taken on four more clerks in the house-letting department burton laughed softly the humor of the auctioneer's position appealed to him immensely i am making money fast mr waddington admitted without enthusiasm another year or two of this and i could retire comfortably then what burton asked is the worry mr waddington smoked vigorously for a moment has it ever occurred to you burton he inquired to ask yourself whether this peculiar state in which you and i find ourselves may be wholly permanent burton was genuinely startled he sat looking at his visitor like one turned to stone the prospect called up by that simple question was appalling his cigarette burned idly away between his fingers the shadow of fear lurked in his eyes not permanent he repeated i never thought of that why do you ask mr waddington scratched his chin thoughtfully it was not a graceful proceeding and burton with a sinking heart remembered that this was one of his employer's old habits he scrutinized his visitor more closely although his appearance at first sight was immaculate there were certain alarming symptoms to be noted his linen collar was certainly doing service for the second time and burton noticed with dismay a slight revival of the auctioneer's taste for loud colors in his shirt and socks it was yesterday afternoon mr waddington continued i was selling an oak chest i explained that it was not a genuine antique but that it had certainly some claims to antiquity on account of its design that seemed to me to be a very fair way of putting it then i saw a man Who was very keen on buying it, examining the brass handles. He looked up at me. Why, the handles are genuine, he exclaimed. They're real old brass, anyway. Now, I knew quite well, Burton, that these handles, though they were extraordinarily near the real thing, were not genuine. I opened my mouth to tell him so. And then, Burton, do you know that I hesitated? You didn't tell him that they were genuine? Burton gasped. Mr. Waddington shook his head. No, he admitted. I did not go so far as that. Still, it was almost as great a shock to me. I felt a distinct impulse to tell him that they were. A few days ago, such an idea would never have entered my head. It would have been a sheer impossibility. Anything else? Mr. Waddington hesitated. He seemed to be feeling the shame of these avowals this morning he confessed i passed the door of the golden lion on my way to the office for the first time since you know when i felt a desire a faint desire but still it was there to go in and chafe milly and have a pint of beer and a tankard i didn't go of course but i felt the impulse nevertheless burton had turned very pale this he exclaimed is terrible What have you done with the rest of the beans? I have nine, Mr. Waddington replied. I carried them in my waistcoat pocket. I'm perfectly convinced now that there is trouble ahead, for on my way up the stairs here I felt a strong inclination to tell you that I had lost them, in case you should want any. It would be only fair, Burton declared warmly, to divide them. Mr. Waddington frowned i see no reason for that at all he objected feeling his waistcoat pocket the beans are in my possession but if we are to revert to our former state of barbarism burton urged let us at least do so together you are some time ahead of me mr waddington pointed it out none of these warnings have come to you yet it may be something wrong with my disposition or the way i've swallowed my bean Yours may be a permanent affair. Burton hesitated, then he threw himself into a chair and buried his face in his hands. My time is coming, too, he confessed mournfully. I am in the same position. Even while you were speaking just now, I felt a strong desire to deceive you, to invent some experience similar to your own. Are you sure of that? Mr. Waddington asked anxiously. Quite sure. Burton groaned then we are both of us in it and that's a fact mr waddington affirmed burton looked up about those beans mr waddington thought for some few moments i shall keep five and give you four he decided it is treating you very generously i am not obliged to give you any at all you know i'm doing it because i'm good-natured and because we are in this thing together if the worst happens You can come back to your old place in the firm. I dare say we shall pull along somehow. Burton shuddered from head to foot. He saw it all mapped out before him, the miserable routine of dull, undignified work, the whole intolerable outlook of that daily life. He covered his face with his hands to shut out the prospect. I couldn't come back, he muttered. I couldn't. That's all very well, Mr. Waddington objected but if this thing really passes off you'll be only too glad to i suppose i shall flirt with milly again drink beer give up ruskin for the sporting times wear loud clothes tell most frightful falsehoods when i sell that terrible furniture and buy another trotting horse to drive out on sundays oh lord mr waddington rose slowly to his feet he lit a cigarette sniffed it and looked at it disparagingly it was very fine turkish tobacco and one of burton's extravagances i'm not sure after all he declared that there isn't more flavor in a british cigar burton shuddered you had better take a bean at once he groaned those cigarettes are made from the finest tobacco imported mr waddington felt in his waistcoat pocket with trembling fingers slowly produced A little silver box took out a bean and crunched it between his teeth. An expression of immense relief at once spread over his features. He sniffed at his cigarette with an air of keen appreciation and deliberately handed over to Burton his share of the remaining beans. I am myself again, he declared firmly. I can feel the change already. Burton eyed him anxiously. Cigarette taste all right now? delicious mr waddington replied most exquisite tobacco makes me shiver inside to think how i could ever have smoked that other filthy rubbish no idea of calling in at the golden lion on your way back eh burton persisted mr waddington's expression was full of reproach the very thought of that place with its smell of stale beer and those awful creatures behind the bar makes me shiver he confessed i shall walk for an hour before lunch in kensington gardens if i have a moment to spare i shall run into the museum and spend a little time with the mosaics what a charming effect the sunlight has coming through those trees burton i want you to come down and see my room some time i picked up a few trifles that i think you would appreciate i will come with pleasure burton replied this afternoon if you could spare a few minutes the auctioneer suggested we might go around and look at that romney which has just been unearthed i've been to christie's three times already to see it but i should like to take you there's something about the face which i don't quite understand there is a landscape there too just sent up from some country house which i think would interest you Burton shook his head and moved feverishly towards his desk. I'm going to work, he declared. You have frightened me a little. I must economize time. I shall write a novel, a novel of real life. I must write it while I can still see the perfect truth. End of chapter 12. Recording by John Brandon